0: For episode 43 of Flying Podcast, I'm still in Lincolnshire. I was at RAF Coningsby during May and took the opportunity to pop in to see the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight People. They very kindly allowed me in to have a look around the hangars and to speak with the lucky folk that get to work on the aircraft and keep them airworthy. For those few of you not familiar with the works of the BBMF, they keep a select flight of historic warbirds in airworthy condition if you ever see uh, that fly past, the famous fly past of Lancaster Spitfire and Hurricane well that'll be the BBMF. In addition to these uh, famous few they have quite a collection of other Spitfires and Hurricanes plus uh, a Dakota and a couple of chipmunks. To begin with I talked to Yvonne Masters who is the uh, PR officer down there with the uh, Memorial Flight. And my first question for Yvonne was uh, when and why was the Battle of Brit Memorial Flight formed?
1: Okay, we've basically formed in 1957. Um, we were known as the Historic Flight then. Um, our motto is Lest We Forget, and we stand by that very strongly. We're in a museum without walls, a living, breathing tribute to those who paid the ultimate sacrifice, whether that be in previous conflicts or current conflicts.
0: Okay. And um, Going on to the display season, mm-hmm. uh, how long does the display season last, and how many displays do you do a year?
1: Generally, April to September is is the sort of um, the biggest impact of, of our sort of year. Um, saying that, a lot of people sort of get the impression that um, sort of during the winter time that we just pull dust sheets over the aircraft, which is far from true. Um, April, sorry, January, February time we're starting our work up. By January, generally the um, the basis of the year display-wise has already been sorted out. So, for example, if you're thinking of holding a village show next year, we'd need your application by October this year. We work that far in advance just to make sure that we can do as much with the assets that we've got for example some display teams would take off from their base travel two three hours do a display and travel home again Um, a good opportunity to use really is uh, rf lucas we will take off from coningsby and pick up up to 11 or 12 smaller events display at lucas land come back the next day and again do something very very similar so People think that we just take off, probably do one or two fly pasts and a display, Mm -hmm. and often it's far from it. It's a very, very busy, packed weekend.
0: Yeah, I've noticed on your website it doesn't have just one fly past. You have like three or four. That's right. Yeah, presuming a a circuit somewhere.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the biggest um, sort of circuit I've seen so far um, is 15 fly pasts, and that was over Holland, the Lancaster, all the different Lancaster memorials throughout the country, Um, and the navigator who was planning that. That was his last year. That was his last season. You know, and he said that was just phenomenal to get yeah. involved in that because he could literally see from where they were the sort of support that we were getting just from the ground.
0: And I imagine you're so popular. Do you, do you get asked to do more fly past than you're capable of doing?
1: Yes, we do. And to be fair, you know, it, I don't know how the boss makes the decision. I think he just tries to do the best with what we've got. Really, yeah. um, obviously, a lot of it's geographical. The major displays. Um, are ones that are paid for, so the smaller flypasts we don't charge for, so they'll get picked up sort of en route. And again, you mentioned our website. You can have a look, see what we're doing. You can see the crews. You can see what we're doing and getting up to. Um, we put on regular sort of news items covering any aircraft that are being worked on. For example, we've got the Hurricane away at Duxford at the moment. Um, as we get the engineering ports through, people can actually keep up to date with the aircraft and find out what's happening.
0: Okay. But
1: also down to sort of basic stuff on there as to where people can see us next.
0: Super. I'll put a link to uh, your website on my Super. website. Super, thank you very much. Have you any idea how many people get to see you uh, flying during the year?
1: The stats, it's very difficult to, to sort of get a figure as yeah. such. Um, And when we get approximately 80 million hits on a website, we just started um, a Twitter account which has been running since March. We've now, thank you to Jake Humphreys from Formula One, uh, we've now got just under 3,000 followers on that. Um, Whenever I put something on the RF website, uh, sorry, the Facebook section, we just had nearly 200 comments on on something we put Mm -hmm. on there. But we don't get an idea of sales. The, The projected sort of figure is about 10 to 15 million people sort of see us. But there's no real way of us measuring that apart from phoning up every individual event and saying how many tickets have you sold. That doesn't actually sort of count for the fact that most weekends we're flying, this fence will probably be about sort of two, three people deep um, because people just stop. I mean, the Mm -hmm. the driving's amazing. They literally just stop, get out of the cars and sort of stand at the fence to see, especially if the Lancaster's going.
0: Yeah, You're not allowed to fly alongside motorways. You have to fly across them. That's right, yeah. Is that true?
1: Yes, it is true. Yes, it is. Just because people will be staring out the Absolutely. window and yeah. crashing into it. Absolutely, yeah. um, and we've seen it. You know, we've seen that literally just on this small road here, we have our main supporting charity is the Lincolnshire's Lancaster Association, and at the end of the season, we have a day whereby we try and get everything possible, apart from the two chippies, flying to, te- to say thank you to them for their support. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have had to go and fetch a couple of cars out of ditches with a tractor because yeah. people are just, goodness <laughs> me, that's Lancaster taxiing, you know, and then they're straight in the ditch. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely.
0: And how are you funded?
1: We're funded. We're part of the Royal Air Force. So, we're funded by the taxpayer. We, you know, we're just a, another sort of squadron. Yeah. Um, you know, like the operational guys across the road, obviously not getting involved with the conflict they're getting in. but um, But no, we're funded by government.
0: Can the. Public support you in any way?
1: As I mentioned earlier, the Lincolnshire Lancaster Association. Mm-hmm. Um, people can support us via them by yep. by, by joining. Um, basically, their aim is to make sure that the Lancaster keeps flying as long as it possibly can, and if it ever does get grounded, then possibly look at um, a base in Lincolnshire to keep her and keep her housed in.
0: Yep. And of course, they can come down and visit you here. Absolutely. At yeah. I
1: mean, the tours, the tours um, go sort of every half hour, every day, apart from a couple of weeks at Christmas. We do have the Visitor Centre do advertise opening weekends. We've just had one. Um, The next one, I think, is the last weekend of July. So people can come and get a good sort of behind-the-scenes tour Mm -hmm. than they would normally. Um, And, yeah, there's a lot of local... um, sort of tourist spots that we're beginning to work with a lot more closely Tatchel Castle they've got a, a great idea coming up that um, wants to sort of be a, a view of the turret from the turret so the top of the castle and frankly there's probably no better place to, to see the flight I've take off I've been it's great yeah yep. it is I used to get there a lot to the kiddie yep. um, so no we're trying to engage a lot more with the local community so people will probably be surprised to see that we're taking the trailer to quite a few village shows this year not just hitting the major air shows um, we're at Burley, we're at the Newark Show, the Heckington Show, so we're trying to engage a lot more with the local community who mm-hmm. put up with us and our noise sort of most of the summer.
0: Brilliant. Okay, well, thank you very much, Yvonne. You're welcome, thank you. After speaking to Yvonne, I wandered into the BBMF hangar. There I met Flight Sergeant Dick Chaffee, one of the engineers that keep these fabulous warbirds in the air. Down either side of this massive hangar are sat the Spitfires and Hurricanes with the Dakota dominating the space at one end. The Lancaster was sadly out over Europe at the time but uh, there was still plenty to look at and talk about. It's uh, quite a sought after posting to be working on the collection here at Coningsby. so I asked Dick how he came to be working on the flight's aircraft.
2: Basically you put it down as a volunteer and like all the lads, yeah, a lot of them, this is what they've always wanted to do. Yep. and uh, yeah. um, there are a few exceptions to the world, myself included, where it was literally right time, right place, and promotion came along, and he said, what about this job, this job, and it was typhoon, typhoon, typhoon. I wanted to go GSF all along, um, but because of a, a medical issue, they couldn't send me out to America for it, not permanently anyway. So um, they sort of said, well, what about this job? And I saw this one, yeah, okay. And go with that. It was something a bit different, I thought, yeah why not so um, that's why I came out and obviously yeah since I got here and no regrets uh, fantastic and you can see why you know, so many people uh, you know, want to get here you
0: can smell the oil can't you
2: oh yeah yeah definitely um, some people uh, they, we once we come here then we do um, between five and six years and then uh, at the end of that time uh, some of the guys are yep thanks ticking a box and they're happy to go straight back to uh, you know wherever they come from and won't even blink, you know, blink an eye over it some people uh, kicking and screaming <laughs> when they leave yeah. uh, and uh, they don't let go and like, for the likes of say like KP who you're chatting to yeah, he's managed to get back I must admit we we asked for him to come back because yeah. of his experience uh, this is what, one thing that we've noticed is that a lot of the guys coming through now uh, because of the way they're trained and their mentality um, it's getting harder and harder we're having to work more
0: with them to bring them up to um oh, with this technology. Of course, these are like fixing old MGs, aren't they? I mean, it's all hands on, and uh, whereas I guess the modern technology is all plug and play, swap parts
2: yeah it is uh, very much in that um, this is again what we're finding from the lads is that the days of old um, also our generation of where you helped your dad out in the, in the garage on yep. the old cars and that sort of thing um, nowadays they don't do it so yeah. when they are coming along and they've been playing on their playstations then it's great for understanding like how a, a typhoon, typhoon works yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. but these you know, even basic theory like spark plugs um, magnetos yeah. uh, coils this sort of thing yeah. um, is a big difference with the way the guys come in and uh, we're having so to work hard what the hell do
0: you do you have to train them from scratch
2: yeah well th- something that uh, myself and my boss has done uh, from just over two years ago uh, they didn't really have a very good training so it um i wouldn't say very good but it wasn't formalized here and we've invested a lot of time and money now and uh, resources where we've actually got a formal training uh cell it's fully manned got about three guys in it now uh, so when the guys arrive on the unit, they first of all do um, basically in, uh, a very basic introduction course and to give them uh, a heads up, oh, this is what it's about. And then they go in and do an actual um, soon, hopefully to be recognised, Q course that uh, takes about four weeks mm-hmm. and that is one of our guys uh, Corporal Crosby he's spent obviously a lot of time effort putting like all the notes bringing out um, going around and taking all the experience putting it all down on paper putting it into an actual proper core, yep. so you can actually then sit down with the guys in front of um, the you know in front of a, like a classroom in a board and teach them right this is what you need to know
0: yep so set the scene we're in the uh, in the battle of britain memorial flight hangar Looking around, we've got how many aircraft in here?
2: Um, basically, we've got 12 aircraft now on the flight, and this is our playground. For one, for a better word, um, everything it is a live museum. So everything you see in here is airworthy. Um, from the 6 bit fires apart, number six is nearly airworthy. Uh, hopefully, by the end of the year, we'll have her flying. That's our pet project. But I'll come back to that one. Uh, Lancaster, unfortunately, she's away. She's on the way to Holland at the moment. Yeah, saw that out uh, this morning. Yep, yeah. uh, Dakota, and um, we have got two chipmunks beautiful beautiful it's like nirvana isn't it <laughs> it, is, you know, it is as I said it is, it is um, a kids playground yeah. uh, you know um, no matter what age you are everybody walks in here You know, um, even if it, the guys who don't uh, have any uh, idea what, of what we're about as soon as they walk in as you say it's the smell that hit you and then they yeah. look at it and think oh wow
0: let's have a walk around shall we discuss the different aircraft we've got
2: yeah Uh, basically this one here uh, mark 19 it's um, griffin engine uh, it's griffin engine griffin powered um, hence why it's got five-bladed propeller on it to get the power into the airflow okay uh, this particular one itself is actually dedicated at the moment to the very last spitfire sortie uh, ever to be performed by the spit let's say next door then this is our sixth uh, Spitfire at the moment this is our project uh, it used to be our lunchtime project um, back in around about 12 years ago we had two Spitfires uh, come to us in need of uh, a major repair one of them was uh, scrapped and went into spares recovery and the decision was made to uh, salvage this one and bring her back online uh, she's a Mark 16 um, that's one of the reasons why we've bought her on because we haven't got a mark 16 at the moment yeah. uh, but it's also um, when the uh, flight was uh, founded then we uh, had some uh, 16s around at the time uh, so obviously it's back to our roots in, in some way but it's very very different uh, it's got bubble canopy clip wing again It's just a very different airframe um, one of the main uh, reasons as well for bringing it back is to give six-bit fires for fleet management so when we're going out and doing all the flying during the display program uh, all the hours, being, instead of being shared between five aircraft can be now be shared between six and what it does then is projects our you know, long longevity uh, into the future that uh, much further What engine is that one on there? Uh, this is a, a, um, a Merlin uh, engine that's gone into it with a four, four-bladed prop uh, originally, I believe if I remember right, it was a Packard Merlin
0: uh, which is the American licensed version American one, that's correct
2: I say normally we've got the Lancaster uh, she's away at the moment, just gone out to Holland and Denmark as, we've, as you know we're f- full into the display season now yeah. okay. down in the corners and we've got uh, two chipmunks and we use these uh, primarily as uh, training aircraft for the aircrew, for the uh, fighters. Uh, this season we've actually started using them for bomber aircrew as well, uh, just to give them some hours under the belt and some experience in flying uh, tail-draggers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, this one uh, is another Mark 19, Okay. Uh, again, very similar to... The one we've just spoken about, yep. um, built right at the very end of the uh, very end of the war, hasn't actually got um, any uh, uh, pr- proven track record, uh, any history behind. So that
0: was a Yeah. Do you know why it's painted this colour? It's PR Basically, it's PR blue. It's because of the role of the aircraft
2: uh, being photo reconnaissance. And that's why they're, the colour they're in uh, this, uh, uh, what's called a PR blue colour. Uh, with both our uh, nine teams, um, they are they were here right from the very beginning of the founding of the flight uh, from 57. Uh, unfortunately, one of them has flo- uh, one of them uh, got credit with the fact that it's uh, flown uh, every day since then, and whilst um, and the other one uh, was actually retired for a little while. And uh, put, used as a gate guard and before then it was brought back out of retirement. Uh, so it's painted
0: PR blue for uh, camouflage reasons? For camouflage
2: up it. in uh, high altitude, basically. Because okay. uh, obviously their job was literally to go in and photograph uh, the targets. Yep. Uh, they were on their own. And then uh, the bombers then obviously used to uh, go in with that intel that data yeah. bomb the target stir up the hornet's nest so to speak and then obviously these guys then had to go back in uh, in amongst that uh, in amongst the hornets and uh, to see if they've uh, actually hit the targets um that's a little window in the-, the little window is literally where the camera used to be right so um the actual aircraft used to literally t- tilt on its side and then fly around in is a circle right? to take the take the pictures right and that's that's all they had it's a strange a, you know, thing to do. Very, obviously, very different nowadays, where you've got cameras underneath, yeah. uh, moving photographic. It was a very basic crew uh, camera. Uh, this one is basically a Mark Nine, uh, a Mark Nine Spitfire. She's silver because, um, in the history books, one of the Balkan squadrons had stripped one of their Spitfires back to uh, bare metal. That's it. Now, whether they were messing around with camouflage or something for down in the mountains, well, we do know later on during the war, then the Americans were looking at uh, bearskin uh, bear aircraft from saving uh, weight uh, from that side of it. These are all metal construction? Uh, yes, they are. Uh, all the Spitfires, um, 90% of them are metal. Uh, which control is the control surfaces. surfaces are still, again, because of ease of fabrication, they are still made out of uh, fabric and wood. The Spitfire, I mean, it came off the drawing board at the same time as the Hurricane, but because of the complexities of the wing, yep. then it took an extra year in, in uh, the design stage to get the the wing right, um, because obviously it's all brand new technology there, yep. being the first monoplane aircraft, you know, following the biplane. Yep. But once they they perfected it on the Spitfire, then they retrofitted it to the Hurricane, and that's what gave the Hurricane right. then an extra 50 miles an hour,
0: gotcha. purely from a metal wing. So, in terms of the the different manufacture, as the hurricane is sort of old school wooden fabric, yeah, um, which are easier to maintain. Either
2: um, there's not much probably between them what, during battle. Then, from a, uh, from a point of uh, you know getting shot up repairing um, you know the skin and that side of it there's certainly the hurricane is and it was uh, a lot lot quicker a lot quicker to turn around mm-hmm. and it's as it proved during the battle of britain then it caught the germans out because obviously they thought they were damaging all these aircraft and yet we were repairing them yep. uh, so quickly that they just didn't realize that the numbers that were still around uh, on the final uh, final fateful day when they thought they were only going against a few and
0: yeah, launched uh, considerably more. Why do you think the Spitfire became so iconic of the Battle of Britain when it was the Hurricane did more damage? It arrived at the right time. It was,
2: it's dare I say, a prettier aircraft. It is, isn't it? It is, um, you know, because of the uh, the shape and the wing of it, and um, the way it got portrayed basically to the uh, to the public. Yep. Uh, you know, the public needed um, an, an image, uh, you know, to latch onto for, you know for the morale side yep. of it. Uh, that's what the, the Spitfire served. So, but, but rightly so. You, you know, the, the, um, although it, it ticked all the boxes for that, then it was such a, a fantastic design because mm-hmm. right from our baby Spitfire, the Mark II, all the way through to our Mark 21, um, the design, the basic design, has changed very little. Yep. Just looks right, doesn't it? And usually, mm. if it looks right, yeah, it is. Uh, so it's, it's virtually probably one of the first all-metal. Aircraft for, you know, for yep. the UK industry. You know. uh, the one we've just passed uh, is uh, AB. Uh, she's a Mark V, okay, and uh, she's actually dedicated to one of the Polish squadrons uh, at the time, because, as you know, the Poles, mm-hmm. uh, we had uh, several uh,
0: Polish squadrons actually fighting for us. Yep. Uh, we like to think we won the war on our own, but uh, uh, the Commonwealth <laughs> played a big part, <laughs> in a it? A very big part of it, yeah. Very very the European, yes, yeah. it is. Fighter
2: pilots. Yeah. And then lastly we've got the, uh, what we call the baby spit, um, the Mark II uh, P7. Uh, th- this one actually took part in the Battle of Britain uh, yeah. physically and at the moment, uh, coincidentally because of the uh, anniversary celebrations last year, then she's in Battle of Britain colours and dedicated to uh, a gentleman called uh, Geoffrey Wellham.
0: Is this the only aircraft that took part in the war? Uh,
2: what we've got, yes, yes. It is. Yes. 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 Certainly what we've got. And lastly, and then lastly, we're coming down to one of our two hurricanes. Um, The second hurricane away at the moment, or major. Um, We only in the hangar itself. We'll only go down to a minor or an annual uh, servicing. Where, for example, we'll take the engine out. We'll take, say, like the head off the engine. But if we have to start stripping it down further, taking the wings off, that sort of thing, then we contract the work out. So um, this hurricane here at the moment, LF, is. a 1944 aircraft, around about January 1944, and uh, she's got a little bit of action in um, convoy duty, and that was about it. Okay, and uh, fortunately she survived to see, you know, how you see her now. Yeah. Um, Very definitely the Hawker look, hasn't it? It is. It is much more aggressive aircraft, um, but because of it, and because it's so robust, and because it's uh, it's so quick to build, so easy to maintain, and because it's so, uh, so rugged, then it got utilised its role changed from being like originally a fighter where um, during the Battle of Britain then it uh, it was fielded two-thirds of the squadrons were Hurricanes Mm -hmm. and it got a similar kill ratio Um, following the the battle then technology accelerated so quickly that the Hurricane got left behind but the Spitfire was able to develop uh, as I said due to its fantastic design the Hurricane then, uh, basically took a different path and it was then utilized as um, a bomber who mm-hmm. had the bombs underneath because of the airframe because it was uh, could take so much punishment and exactly for those reasons then it was put onto, um, uh, onto the ships as well on the uh, Hurricats yep. so for doing convoy duties. A uh, bit of a, a one-shot system but um, very, very effective.
0: Mm. That's the last of the fighters and now we have the, uh, the Dakota.
2: Yeah, the, Dakota uh, came to us um, in the 90s uh, initially as a trainer aircraft to replace our Devon uh, aircraft before that. And it was uh, a trainer for the Lancaster, for the aircrew. But very quickly, unfortunately for us, because it means uh, extra work, but uh, the public fell in love with her. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we went, oh, okay, and uh, we stripped her back and repainted her back and basically we've taken her back to original condition Mm -hmm. as much as we can Uh, she got then fitted out with parachute seats uh, inside she got recertified and today then we use uh, the falcons or red devils actually jump from her Um, we've actually partaked in uh, like in the arnhem dropped recently in the celebration of that where the guys have been uh, jumping out the back of her she's just returned back from major now uh, in her current color scheme uh, with the D Day stripes on. And what we try and do is always have, because of the significance of the event, mm-hmm. we always try and have one of the aircraft in the hangar with the black and white stripes on her. Do you sort of vary the colour schemes as time goes by? We do, because um, physically the aircraft are one thing. And, um, I mentioned uh, like P7 physically took part in the Battle of Britain. Yep. Every six, seven years-ish, uh, the aircraft undergo, undergo a major uh, maintenance. And Because they go away and they have so much skin and um, bits and pieces change on them, then we take the opportunity then to repaint them. And that's when we decide in-house, well, we'll dedicate it to a squadron, a pilot, for yep. example. Yep. And as I say, P7 was uh, coincidental last year that we actually put her into the uh, Battle of Britain colours. We've got the... Our Hurricane away at the moment, PZ, and she will uh, come back uh, with the white stripes and dedicate it to a Canadian pilot. You know, it's just, it is, it's just done in house, I and mean, we go through the history books and we decide what that's it. Yep. With the Lancaster, we at the moment, we're going through the ton up aircraft, so the 35 aircraft that have got more than 100 missions under mm-hmm. the belt, we're choosing those uh, that we actually put the, uh, her into for the colours. Super, super.
0: After walking around the fighters on the hangar floor, Dick and I climbed inside a Dakota for a look round. Yeah, inside the Dakota. It's like the Spitfire. It has that uh, very nice aesthetic, doesn't it? It looks a beautiful aircraft.
2: Yeah, all the time we're trying to keep the authenticity with her and um even you know from our books from our archives then we're trying to go back to that original set so when people do get on board they get all oh, right they can get a grasp of what it was like back in those days we also uh, take a lot of feedback from wherever we go not just in the UK Poland, Denmark, France and that and anybody, any comments etc anything you've picked up. Yeah. All right. we also uh, on the aircraft we try and if there's any history with the aircraft then we try and preserve it and for example with the Dakota though it looks nicely newly painted decked out got the original parachute seats etc you have got if you look closely oh, little yeah. bits of patchwork quilt yeah and this is original from back in uh, the mid-1940s. So it's like pencil graffiti, is it? Yes, yeah, so it's, the actual, um, it's uh, from the actual guys. That, that when the, with this Dakota, she was um, built in the, mid, mid, uh, in the early 40s, stayed out in Canada, and she was used as a training aircraft uh, for the parachuters. And these scribblings, these, this graffiti, yeah. <laughs> is from those uh, boys, basically, on board before they were jumped and you've left a so little patch and where we've laid around. around yeah. there's several patches as I said they date back to about 1942 so this is kitted out for parachutists yeah parachutists so
0: we've got seats and uh, seat belt harnesses yeah. up either side of the aircraft and uh, quite a steep climb up inside isn't
2: it it is it it catches a lot of people out and um it's one thing to walk up it but then yeah. when you think about the aircraft is actually used for cargo yeah. and not just like your boxes of uh, you know like first aid and food and that sort of thing but you're actually putting like vehicles, jeeps yeah. and then vehicles yeah that sort of thing and ordnance on there and it was quite a weight and quite a challenge mm. to push it up and say it's quite a steep
0: steep climb so, moving up towards the cockpit. On the left, there we have what that's, navigators, is it?
2: Yeah, that's basically it.
0: Oh, squeeze up into the cockpit.
2: Oh. So originally, basically, it's, uh, two, co- uh, two pilots, basically at the front. We fl- uh, today, we fly with a pilot and a uh, navigator. Uh, the navigator uh, lends his assistant, obviously, to the pilot. Uh, to the fly. And then the third member of the crew is a loadie. That we fly with down the back end.
0: It's a bit more recognizable inside uh, for me than looking inside the Typhoon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, m- most people can uh, associate, yeah. you know, because it's, it's, it is back to basics. Very much uh, so. You know, with the steering wheel, with the standard throttles uh, and the standard gauges.
0: And sliding windows. Yeah. yeah
2: very, very, <laughs> b- very, very uh, basic, very crude, but it's functional and it's. Um, it, a lot of the gear that you see here is is uh, virtually original, back from the 40s, back from that era.
0: Beautiful. Right, well thank you very much Dick. That's okay. Back out onto the shop floor so to speak, I met with Corporal Mark Kirkpatrick who's also known as KP. KP is another engineer with the flight and unusually he's on his second term here looking after the aircraft.
3: Okay, I'm now with Corporal Mark Kirkpatrick, well, be Battle of Britain with No better known as KP. KP, right. KP, what do you do here? Um, initially, well, I was, I've been here before. Yep. Uh, initially came here as an engine man, uh, did eight years, um, got posted away with promotion. Yep. Where did you go? go? Uh, Harriers, uh, worked on at uh, Cottesmore, did two years at Cottesmore, and then come back here as a corporal. Uh, when you were here before, were you
0: working on the BBMF?
3: Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. worked on BBMF here. Um, did well, 8 years got a, did, made an acting corporal here for a for a short short period of time went away on a DWR out of area came back got my tapes got posted to Cottesmore, more uh, worked on Harriers for 2 years did a few tours with with the, the Harriers away um and then luckily got back here got, I don't know how it happened cuz I think I, they wanted you yeah they must have done <laughs> <laughs> I must have done yeah i mean uh, it's very it's very rare to get, I was there for eight years to start with, it's very yep. rare to do that period of time and then get the privilege to come back again and do another another five years. Yep. So quite quite lucky in that respect. Is it quite a
0: sought-after position being here?
3: Yeah, there's a, there's a big waiting list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, as soon as I left, I wanted to get back. Um, just keep pestering people, you know, asking where I am on the list, because there's a massive list. there's about 110 people waiting to come here. Yep. So just keep pestering and pestering. Um, after a year, I kind of really gave up, because it's like, if I'm 110 on the list, yeah. I'll be out of the Air Force for even the time even get anywhere close to getting back. Yeah. Um, but like I say, I think somebody's pulled a couple of strings and uh, I'm back here. Excellent. Thankfully.
0: <clears throat> How's the, what's the difference between working here and working out on the front line on Harry's, etc.?
3: I, I don't think there's really that much difference. You're still, you're still, you're still working for the RAF. Yeah. Um, in terms of technology? Te- technology, yeah. It's uh, back to old fashioned. Metal work, yeah. Um, yeah. sorting stuff out. There's no, we've got APs, but they're not as in depth, uh, not, and so you you got to kind of rely on a bit of common sense more than anything to just to sort things out. Yeah. And uh, talking to different people who worked here, it's all about interfacing with different people yeah. uh, and that sort of stuff. My <laughs> uh, team's up. <laughs> It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hang on a minute. with these things. I've been going for quite a while, that. Will it? Yeah. That's step
0: in the corridor, car. Right.
3: Where were we? Um,
0: have you ever had a look at uh, the Typhoon and how they maintain that? Completely different, isn't it? It's all uh, the, I imagine so. I'm, computer I'm, interface. It's all, yeah,
3: it's all. I mean, I'm yeah. computer. Really? Leanderthal, really, yeah. uh, when it comes to it. But I'm, from what I've heard, it's just like box in, box out. I mean, I might be doing them... A down, down-toning. In, in did that, but it's all laid out, and you probably put in, uh, like a fault in or a symptom. The computer tells you what to do, and then you, just, you run through like a checklist. Yeah. Pretty simple as well. A cars done these days at a garage they just yeah. work through a checklist yeah. and then keep going back, yeah. push on the computer button, and then it will say if it's right or wrong. Yeah. So, Whereas, like
0: uh, they're working on a Lexus, you're working on a,
3: an MG. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's old-fashioned skill uh, hand skills, yeah. which you don't really use in the modern cars anymore because things are getting the technology is getting greater and greater, so old stuff is left behind yeah so working on something like this is amazing i mean i love it really you can't really do you, come do you get a better a, job really i don't think but.
0: do you have a speciality here that you uh like um, airframe or engines or? well
3: i was originally i was engines to start with yeah. but with the air force money saving cost cutting uh, they're doing multi-skilling now so i'm airframe and and engines but when i was here oh. first time, i didn't really do much of the airframe side of things Just generally on the engine side so i've got to learn that now so that's something else to, to get stuck into Brilliant. that's uh, Good fun, loving every day. Oh yeah, great. I've only, been I've only been here two weeks, so like from hours here to here. Excellent, done a great job. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers.
0: There will be a second BBMF episode soon featuring a wonderful old chap called Sid Marshall. Now, when Yvonne uh, asked me if I'd like to interview a Lancaster pilot, I assumed that uh, I'd be talking to one of the current flyers. So I was very surprised to find I'd be chatting to a pilot that actually flew Lancasters during the Second World War and what a great interviewee he turned out to be. Uh, It was a great honour to speak to someone like Sid, and uh, it's well worth listening to uh, his exploits in the podcast when it comes out. If you have any interest in military aviation, uh, then you really should pay the BBMF a visit. The visitor centre is excellent, and you can go on a tour of the hangar with a volunteer guide, like someone like Sid, and you can uh, get really quite close to the aircraft. For details of the BBMF museum, the aircraft and the staff... Uh, I would check out their website which is at uh, wwwrafmoduk forward slash bbmf and if you didn't get that I'll stick it on the uh, Flying Podcast website for you. Uh, before you actually go to visit I would check out the website and maybe even give them a call just to make sure the aircraft that you want to see is going to be there uh, and that they're open for whatever reason with the uh, RAF activities they can sometimes close the museum but uh, as I say check out before you uh, turn up to visit. Uh, whilst you're down there to complete your day, you can sometimes see the BBMF aircraft taking off and landing. And also, as an added bonus, uh, you can watch the typhoons and tornadoes coming and going uh, from RAF Coningsby on training sorties. Uh, so a great day out all round. Thanks to all of you that have uh, supported the podcast by visiting the Flying Podcast website and clicking on a few links. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, And thanks to uh, one of our listeners, ex-Mancunian Ian Kershaw, who now lives over in Calgary, Alberta, in Canada, who sent this recording over.
4: Well, good morning, Steve. It's Ian Kershaw calling in Calgary, Alberta. It is um, 7.45 on the morning of uh, Monday, the the 23rd of May. It's a long weekend here. Just spent um, 45 minutes in the gym, of which 33 were very pleasant as I listened to your article on the visit to the um, Just Jane Lancaster at uh, East Kirkby um, Airfield, and of course the interview with the gentleman with the Dakota as well. Um, it reminded me of uh, what a, uh, an incredible aeroplane the Lancaster is. I used to live near Chatterton, Avro's works, and on a Sunday as a, as a youngster I taught um, cycling proficiency badge on the car park outside Avro's uh, plant, The car parks were always empty on a weekend. Um, Who'd have realized at that time as a youngster that I was so close to so much history? But that's just the way things sort of go around in a circle, isn't it? Um, Just following the theme of the Lancaster for a moment, uh, we were privileged in August of last year when um, the Hamilton-based Canadian Warplane Heritage Museum uh, flew their Lancaster uh, across Canada to uh, BC for the air show and called in at Calgary for three or four days. Um, like so many other people, I spent a pleasant day at uh, the airport, uh, popped a few dollars in the pot and climbed through Yes, that very, very cramped uh, aircraft. Uh, everything was given over to the carriage of uh, weaponry, no creature comforts, and you could see the polish on the main spar cover where everybody had been passing across, including thousands of visitors, I might add. Very pleasant day. Um, I actually popped round the following morning when nobody was about, the um, gate to the um, area was open while the guy emptied the porter potties and so I sneaked in and got a couple of dozen shots of her with nobody hanging around on a nice uh, August morning before he'd finished his job and I nipped back through the gate um, and got to work. Uh, Interesting, Calgary also has in the Aerospace Museum uh, a Lancaster which was flown by the Canadian forces in maritime patrol after the war and about an hour's drive south of the city in a very small community on the highway called Vulcan there is a Lancaster. It was flown there many years ago uh, to the Vulcan um, airfield which was the home of one of the British Commonwealth Air Training Program sites and um, at some stage they... um, Towed it down the highway, literally down Highway Number Two, the main north-south highway. And this very small community, and it really is small, um, re, um, restored it to uh, magnificent condition. A few years ago, built a hangar around it. Um, I went down, I think, four years ago, and they got one of the merlins running. Now all four merlins are running, so they take her outside quite frequently and. Fire them up and uh, folk come along and just listen to that magnificent sound. One funny story, when I was there, um, we were all waiting for them to start it up. The prop spun and within moments it was running. Nary a whiff of smoke anywhere. And a gentleman stood next to me and said, Oh, I always thought aeroplane engines smoked a lot when they started. And another very elderly gentleman stood alongside him, turned and with a very proud look on his face. My dear chap, that was a Rolls Royce. They don't smoke. Um, I can't do the accent, but it was a treat. Anyway, thoroughly enjoyed your last series of articles. The piece on the thruster was enjoyable. Um, I enjoy everything that you put together. I think I've listened to the whole lot now over the last few weeks. Uh, a regular listener looking forward to your podcast, uh, along with Airplane Geeks, uh, Playing Crazy Down Under, and, of course, those two Brits doing side podcast on Formula One racing. So... I might be a seven-hour time zone away from you guys, but I'm pretty close in terms of my heart. You take care, Steve. Thanks again for all your efforts. I know these things don't come together at the drop of a hat. All the best. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Ian. Well, that's it for episode 43 of Flying Podcast. As usual, if you have any comments, suggestions for future episodes, or if you'd like to take part, you can email me on steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Thanks for
4: listening. I'll speak to you again soon.